0: Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, reading from the New King James Version. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. You think you've got it bad? They were living out in the fields, (laughs) keeping watch over their flock by night. That means they were up all night. Take note. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, all, all people. I want to focus our attention this morning on the song that the angels sing, particularly the part that says, Glory to God in the highest. And my title this morning is, Living in the Highest. What does it mean to live life in the highest? Let's talk about that. But to appreciate this, to appreciate the message that the shepherds heard, we first have to understand what life was like for them. It was a lot harder than life in the United States in 2020. First, I'll talk about their personal lives as shepherds, and then I'll talk about life in society in the ancient Roman Empire. You may know that the shepherds, there were nomadic shepherds. There were stay-at-home shepherds, but then there were nomadic shepherds, and and that's obviously what these were because they kept watch over their flock by night, and they, they lived out in the fields. And so they traveled and worked very far from home. That was their life. And as I said, they kept watch by night. There was no, no sheepfold. The, the, the other kinds of shepherds that had a sheepfold, remember Jesus talked about the sheepfold and the door, and he used that Im- imagery. Well, there was no sheepfold. They would just go from place to place um, looking for water and uh, grass. Um, That was the life of of your typical nomadic shepherd. But these particular shepherds, though, were unique. They were priestly shepherds. They had a very important uh, flock, and so they would raise ewes specifically. Scholars believe this is pretty much the general consensus. These particular shepherds would raise ewes for the purpose of giving birth to lambs for temple sacrifice. So they knew how to produce a spotless lamb because you could only bring a spotless lamb into the temple for sacrifice without blemish, no defects. So that's what kinds of shepherds they were. They were priestly shepherds. And so what would happen is one of their ewes would give birth to a lamb, and if it was without blemish, they would then take that lamb and they would wrap it in swaddling cloth. And they would lay it in a manger with soft hay to keep it from injuring itself so that it would remain unblemished. They knew all about the swaddling cloths and the manger with the hay. To them, it was all about the perfect spotless lamb that would atone for their sins. So that's what kind of shepherds they were. But it was a hard life. There were wild animals, jackals, wolves, and bears. Even King David talked about fighting off a lion. You know, they, 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 they got no sleep. They were constantly on guard from, from the elements and from the wild animals. Uh, you know, they, they would wander and, uh, you know, look for water. And um, they would have to rescue sheep in the very harsh terrain. That was Palestine keep them from going over cliffs, rescue them from brambles. And so that was the life of a shepherd. Talk about socially distanced. That was their life. But it was for a very high purpose. But life in society as well was even more brutal. A theologian named Jack Zavada said of King Herod, He was a brutal man who killed his father-in-law, several of his ten wives, and two of his sons. Herod's heavy taxes to pay for lavish projects forced an unfair burden on Jewish citizens. And then he talked about the character of this man, this king, (laughs) the ruler of the land. (laughs) You know, we talk about oppressive rulers with arbitrary rules and laws. Well, King Herod was insanely suspicious of everyone. I'm talking. This is still the quote from Jack Zavada. If you, uh, in fact, if you visit Herod's fortress of Masada in Israel, the guide will show you the huge walls and parapets. These, he explained, were there to protect Herod from his own servants. He was so afraid of assassination that he thought his servants might toss him out of his litter over the precipice. The parapet was made so high that they would not be able to do that. And then, of course, he was so paranoid, so insanely jealous, so cruel, so bloodthirsty that when the wise men, when he found out that the wise men had betrayed his trust and had found the baby Jesus and not returned to tell him where he was, he became so paranoid that this newborn babe was going to rise up, that they were calling the Messiah, was going to grow up to replace him. So... That's why we have what's known in history as the massacre of the innocents, where he had all male babies under the age of two brutally massacred. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in a time like that? And what's more is the word of God had not been heard for centuries. These were God's people. This was Israel. There had been no, no word from God, no prophet for about 400 years you know, you get to the, at the end of the Old Testament, there's the end of Malachi, then you turn to the New Testament, starts with Matthew, 400 years of silence is in that, spa, in that dash. It was a spiritually barren, dry, desolate, and desperate time, and it lasted a really long time. So then we get to the part where Emperor Caesar Augustus takes a census, a reminder that Israel was owned by Rome. And Roman soldiers walked the streets of Jerusalem to punish anyone who was out of line, who didn't pay their taxes, who, you know, didn't submit to the brutal Roman rule. And so Mary and Joseph had to travel 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem after the, under the worst of conditions. Moreover, Israel was a divided nation. You had four groups fighting to be in control. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots, all with a different purpose, different ideas, and there was constant friction between them added to the oppressive ruler of Rome. Riots were common. Tension was constant. That's why Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 2. He's prophesying about this dark and desperate time in Israel's history. And he said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. They lived in the land of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This year has been a shadow of death for a lot of people. We are living in the shadow of death in a lot of ways. But Isaiah said, upon them a light has shined. So I want to go back to the song that the angels sang to the shepherds, Luke 2, verse 10, of verse uh, 14, Luke two fourteen. 14. What did they sing that night to the shepherds living in this situation, living this kind of life? The angels appeared to them, and they sang glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So I've never really paid attention to that phrase in the highest until now, and I got curious. I started doing some research, and when we, when we see that at first glance, it sounds like a, a degree, right? A, 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 um, a, it speaks of space and time. It's spatial. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean glory to God way up there in the highest part of the sky. It's not what it means at all. And the highest is a realm. It is a realm that exists outside of time and space and place It is an eternal realm that has always been and will always be. That is known as the highest. So when we sing glory to God in the highest, we are saying, oh, glory to our God who lives outside of time and space, who lives in this eternal realm. Therefore, he sees my past, my present, and my future. He's got it all mapped out. He knows exactly the number of my days and what's going to happen. He's got my future in his hands. Glory to God in the highest realm. Glory to God in the highest. But here's the thing, here's the thing I want us to get today. We can live in that place. We can live in the highest. We should be living in the highest place. There's this other dimension, this other realm for the Christian in which we can live. Jesus said in Luke 16, 16, I believe, he said the law and the prophets were up until John the Baptist, and then that was an end of an era. And then he said, since then, the kingdom of God is here and everyone is pressing into it. In other words, everyone who has a heart to understand is pressing in to to enter into this invisible, timeless, eternal realm, this highest place, the highest Everyone is pressing into it. Are you pressing into it? Are you pressing in to live in this highest place, to live in the highest? Because, see, I don't want to just sing glory to God in the highest. I want to live there. I want to live there. So many people this year, myself included, have gotten bogged down in the lowest. Like 2020 is the year of the lowest place. But that's not what God has for us in any year. I want to live in the highest. Isaiah 57.15 tells us who gets to do that. Isaiah 57.15 says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Okay, that's the highest place. Remember, it's a realm. It's a spiritual dimension. Whose name is holy. This is what he says. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. That's who God lives with. That's who gets to live in the highest place with God. This word contrite simply means remorseful and penitent. Not guilty, not condemned, not in a state of condemnation, but in a humble state that says, God, I desperately need you. I desperately need you. That's who lives with God in the holy place. And what's the purpose? What happens in the the highest place? It says to revive the spirit of the humble. Who needs reviving? Who knows someone who needs reviving, like spiritual revival? I've been praying. I've been praying for this church. I mean, some things I've... This year has shed some light on the body of Christ and our need for the body of Christ. And I've been praying, God, revive us. God, revive us. We're in need of revival. Whatever it takes to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That's who gets to live in the highest place with God. It's a simple matter of recognizing your need for God every single day. It's not about performance. It's not about, you know, impressing God with the to-do list, oh, if I can do enough for God, if I can be a certain way, if I can act a certain way, if I can just, you know, deal with all my stuff, maybe I'll qualify. No. God says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. God, I need you desperately. I absolutely cannot make it through this day without you. I need you. That's a contrite and a humble spirit. I'm going to talk for a few minutes about three characteristics of those who live in the highest place. Or I could also say three results of living in the highest place. Number one, well, quickly, I'll just say what they are, and then I'll expound on them. You want to stay there? That's number one. Number two is you want others to join you. And number three, you appreciate it. And we'll see this in the shepherds and will help us understand this. We had an owl show up (laughs) in Rebecca's car the other night. (laughs) You know, she sees this owl fall from the sky on her way home from work, and so she rescues it, puts it in her car, comes home. I literally get this phone call. Mom, can you come out here? I got an owl in my car. Not something you hear every day. And it was so fun. It's probably like one of the best things that happened to us in 2020. <laughs> you know, so we had the photo shoot with Hedwig, and then we, all the, and then we, had, we opened up all the car doors, and we like, were wondering what to do. I mean, he seemed fine. His bodily functions were definitely working all over the steering wheel and Rebecca's lap. So we just thought, you know, okay, let's uh, maybe take it to the front porch and let him perch there, and then maybe he'll fly off. But all of a sudden, poof, he was gone. He was gone. The three things about that experience were, number one, we wanted to stay there. Like, we didn't want it to end. We w- seriously, honestly, don't tell the animal activists, but we wanted to keep the owl. I mean, we didn't. I mean, we know we couldn't. We couldn't. We couldn't. We, did. we, we knew we could not keep this owl. That would be wrong. An owl in captivity. But like who doesn't want a pet owl, right? So we just wanted, we wanted the moment to last as long as it could. We wanted to stay in the moment. And then the other thing is we wanted others to join us because this is cool, right? It's like, you, you know, you we were wired as humans to want a communal experience. Like something really amazing happens to you, you want others to know or join you. And so of course, you know, I had to post it on Facebook, and I'm thinking, people don't care about an owl. This is just, you know, whatever. It's like, I rarely post anything personal, but I, I posted it. And I don't know, last I checked, there was like 3,000 <laughs> 3, likes. I guess people really like owls. But, um, and then the third thing is, you appreciate it. I mean, I'm still talking about it. We'll be talking about it 20 years from now. Rebecca's owl. You know, you just, you relive the experience. You're, it's on your lips. It's in your thoughts. It's in your mind. And so the shepherds did all three of these things, and we'll see that when we go back to the scriptures. But when you experience the highest place, when you experience what it's like to live in the highest, that that place outside of space and time, out that place that exists outside of your pitiful circumstances, when you visit the highest place, the first thing is you realize you want to stay there. If you've actually been there, if you've actually tasted and seen that the Lord is gracious, you want more. You want to stay there. It says that the shepherds, it says uh, in verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe Lying in a manger. Don't you know they just wanted to stay there with them? They wanted to stay listening to the angels. But see, the angels left for a reason. I mean, the angels, they could have said, stay here, we're so lonely. It's so dark and cold and lonely here and hard. I mean, I'd love for a choir of angels to visit me whenever I need them to. But the angels left for a reason and they never came back. They were out of there, and there the shepherds were all alone again in the dark and in the cold with their miserable lives, but something was different. They had experienced the highest, and they wanted to stay there, and then they made haste to see this thing that the angel had told them about because they wanted to continue. That was their way of continuing this place, to stay in this place. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. In the original Hebrew text, diligently is actually early and at dawn. I'm not sure it means you have to be an early morning person and have your devotions at 5 a.m. If so, I'm in big trouble. But I think it it does have to do with priorities, your priorities. Like, God, I don't dare want to start my day without the hot, entering into the highest. I'm going to start in the highest place with you so that I can stay on this high. And this high that we can stay in, it's not, a, it's not an emotional thing. It's not based on feelings. Thank the Lord. We are not our feelings. No, it's based on truth. 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 I have been in the presence of God, and I still am, and I live in the presence of God, and I thank you, God, that you are here with me, and you are working this out. Oh, I praise you, Lord. Proverbs 2.4 says, we are to search for her. It's speaking of wisdom, but then the New Testament tells us that Jesus became wisdom for us. He is wisdom, with a capital W. Proverbs 2.4 says, if you search for her as silver or hidden treasure... You will find the knowledge of God, and you will find wisdom and understanding. Look, do you and I really search for God as we would, excuse me, hidden treasure? If I knew that there was hidden treasure buried in my backyard, I'd be out there with a shovel. Yes, even in this snow, I would be out there, depending on how much is in there, you know. <laughs> but let's say it's some huge amount of money. You, any one of us, we'd be out there with a shovel. And we wouldn't stop until we found the hidden treasure. And the word of God says, if you search for God, if you seek him as you would, hidden treasure or silver, then you will find the knowledge of God, wisdom and understanding. That's living in the highest place. So the first thing is, you want to stay there. You're looking for it. You're diligently pressing in to find it every day. Number two, you want to tell others about this place where they too can live. We naturally publish abroad the good things that happen to us. Hashtag social media, selfies, Instagram. (laughs) But even before the Internet, it's in our our nature to want to publish abroad the good things that happen to us. Or at least, you know, if, if you're a loner, at least tell someone. You know, my husband's an introvert, and he spent many, many years alone as a bachelor. And he tells me how he would travel in Europe, you know, and see these amazing places, the castles in Austria and the Alps in Switzerland and Paris, and he was alone. And he he tells me the hardest part of that for him was not having anyone to share it with him. Poor baby. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's milking it back there for all it's worth. But it's in our nature to want to publish abroad the good things that happen to us. So here's the thing. When you really, truly experience the highest place, when you have been in that highest place, when you have experienced God's presence, when you have sat with him and, I mean, truly, truly, truly experienced the palpable, very real presence of God in your life, when you have sat with him and felt him holding you as it were, comforting you with supernatural comfort that only he can give, when, you have, when that has been your experience, you want to tell people, like how can you not help but want to let people know, hey, there's this better life you can live. Nothing to do with your situation. Everything to do with a different realm you can live in. See, our faith is personal, but it was never meant to be private. Personal, yes. Private, no. You know, if we were all going through some horrible dystopian collective experience where, you know, there's no food, and you found this abundant supply of food, and you knew that everyone was starving around you, And there's enough here to feed all of those people and more. What kind of person would you be to not tell anyone? You can't eat it all. Right? Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. And until you have tasted of that and had your own thirst quenched and your own spiritual hunger met, there's no interest in telling anyone. What do you have to tell? 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. See, this assumes that people are going to ask. I mean, if you look hopeful, people are going to want to know why. Hey, what kind of place do you live in? Oh, I live in the highest place. You can too. I used to live where you live. I know that neighborhood. I know that lowest place. I know that fear, that doubt, that anxiety, that depression, that discouragement, that worry, that insecurity. I know that place. I don't live there anymore. I moved to a much better neighborhood, and you can too. There's lots of room. There are lots of room there. Let me tell you about it. Peter said, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have a reason for this highest place that you seem to live in? If you're really living there, people will ask. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Come live with me in this highest place. Is that our message? If we're living there, first of all, yes. Yes, it will be. It naturally will be. When Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone, what's that message? Glory to God in the highest. And guess what? You can live there too. It's not just a song the angels sang on the first Christmas. It's a realm you can enter into. That's the gospel. So when we experience the highest place, number one, We want to stay there, number two. We want to tell others about it, and number three, we proclaim the praises of it. We appreciate it. Worship is the mark of the one who lives in the highest. It says in verse 20, Luke 2.20, then the shepherds returned, and what were they doing when they were returning? Still complaining, moaning and groaning about their situation, all the dumb sheep. <laughs> all the sheeple. Oops. <laughs> it says, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. See, the shepherds started singing the same song the angels sang. They joined the choir. They were the choir. They were the new choir. We've got to get this off the Christmas cards and into our hearts. This is not some just some, some romantic, beautiful Christmas story. This is our daily reality if we want it. You and I can live in the highest place. And the mark of the one who does so will continually sing and glorify him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2.9. says, you are his own special people who proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of the lowest place you've been living in, and into his marvelous light, into the highest place. It amazes me that in John 4, 21, Jesus said to the woman at the well, she's all like, well, where are we supposed to worship? Like, in other words, what denomination should I be? What, what do you believe? What, what about this and that? Jesus said, no, 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 that's, you're missing the point. The Father is seeking people to worship him. The Father is seeking people to worship him. Those who live in the highest place, you can tell, because praise and worship Issues from their lips, and it is absolutely independent of circumstance and feelings. Absolutely, because that's a different realm. That is a fleeting, temporal, very passing realm, this life on earth. It's a blip in eternity, poof, and then it's done. But we don't have to live there like everybody else. We don't have to stay there. We can live in the highest place. We can live in the highest place. Amen. Let's pray. Let's just take a few minutes. Frank, would you like to come? Thank you. Dave, you want to get the lights? I just want to close by just touching that place. Together, you know, if you've, if you've <laughs> spent too long in the lowest place, too long allowing the dictates of this fallen world to rule the way you live your life, the way you feel, the way you think, the way you speak, today's a new day. Not only can we sing glory to God in the highest, glory to God in the highest, but we can say on earth peace and goodwill toward men because we get to now enter into that holy place. That's why there's peace and goodwill. That's why there's peace and goodwill. Goodwill means God has all the grace in the world available to you. He is full of goodwill to you, toward you. His will for you is so good, you have no idea. You have no idea. Because Satan wants you to stay stuck in that lowest place where all you see is your own set of circumstances. God wants to lift us out of that. Out of that in the highest place is peace and goodwill where you start to realize God's will for you is only good. It's only for your good. Satan wants you to think it's to take you down, to ruin you, to discourage you, to stop you from progressing in God. We don't, get to st- we don't have to stay there. So Father, in Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, we stand before you today. If you want to stand, kneel, whatever you want to do, to posture yourself before God. It's okay. However the Lord leads you. Father God, we come before you today. In contrition and humility, acknowledging our desperate need for you to lift us out of this lowest place. Glory to God in the highest. We thank you and we praise you that we can be there too. We can be there too. Because your word says you've actually glorified your saints through your spirit. Your spirit living in us glorifies us so that we can then glorify you. You look at us, Lord, and you see glory because of the shed blood of Calvary. And so we can then live with you and join your presence in the highest place. Father God, we say yes to you today. We say yes to that, Lord. We say yes. Oh God, we're so tired of living in the lowest place, tired of speaking from the lowest place, tired of thinking from the lowest place, tired of planning from the lowest place. Oh God, you have good plans for us. Your heart toward us is goodwill. Your desire for us is peace, peace in our hearts, peace with you. Peace with each other. Peace concerning what you have for us in the days to come. Father God, would you lift us up into that highest place? Not based on feelings, not based on emotion based on the truth of your enduring word. And Father God, help us to realize that the more we speak that, the more we praise you, the more we worship you, the more we say and sing glory to God in the highest, the more we get to live there. That's the door. That's the entrance. That's the passcode. Worship is the passcode into the highest place. Oh God, help us get that. And Father God, help us to seek you earnestly for it every single day. Because I know how easy it is to visit that old neighborhood and get stuck there and forget where you want us to live and stay. So I thank you, Father God, and I declare and proclaim in the name of Jesus that every single person here this morning, everyone watching via video, we will begin to live in the highest place from this day forward. That's our Christmas in 2020. We will say, that is the Christmas. That was the year I started living in the highest place. We thank you and we praise you, Father God. Before I say amen, I'm just going to leave it open for anyone else to make that proclamation. Amen. Let's just close with a shout. Glory to God in the highest. Will you say it with me? Glory to God in the highest. Again, glory to God in the highest. One more time. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Amen. You may be dismissed.